You're listening to Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast where we spotlight women who've gone from managing to mastering life's challenges and the badass practitioners that are changing the way we heal. I'm Dr. Sabrina Nicole, psychologist, coach, author, and speaker. But more importantly, I'm a woman who had my own journey to mastering chronic pain. You don't need to be stuck anymore. Fuck that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Today's topic is healing from an autoimmune condition and what it takes to successfully go into remission. My guest today is Amy Sudo. Amy began her career as a Hollywood TV writer before hitting the road and becoming a digital nomad and six-figure freelance writer. Her specialty as a freelancer is serving clients as a ghostwriter for memoirs and narrative nonfiction, and she helps professional athletes Silicon Valley CEOs, and other inspiring people tell their stories. Amy runs a Substack newsletter called From the Desk of Amy Sudo about how to carve your path as a working writer, and in her spare time publishes chapters of her fiction novel, Let Me Be Your Ghost. When she's not writing, Amy travels the world and works remotely from cafes in Cusco, Peru, or is misplacing her AirPods in Lisbon, Portugal. And she spent the last three years healing from an autoimmune condition. You can learn more about Amy at amysuda.com, or you can pick up her Amazon best-selling book, Six Figure Freelance Writer. Welcome, Amy. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to talk to you. We had an immediate connection. Once we first spoke, I was like, she had an autoimmune condition? She's traveling the world? Sounds inspirational to me. So I thought you would be the perfect guest. Thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been quite a journey. I feel like when I first got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis when I was 27, I was like, isn't this an old person's disease? Like it doesn't doesn't make sense to me. And it was really scary because my joints were swollen to twice the normal size and there was a lot of pain. And it was like really overwhelming to kind of be in this position as a young person being like, this, this is very weird because previously I had run half marathons. I was a yoga instructor in Los Angeles. Like I was pretty healthy and my genetic predisposition to getting RA along with some unhealthy habits that I had really kind of compounded. And when the pandemic hit and those, my stress levels were super high, my joints were just completely swollen and out of control. And I decided kind of when I got diagnosed officially in January, 2021, that I had to make a lot of changes and go on a journey to heal myself. And so three years later, I'm officially in remission. I'm off all medication, have no more pain. And I kind of redesigned and re kind of like overhauled my whole life. And one of kind of the interesting parts is that travel, I think, played a huge role in my healing as well as a bunch of other lifestyle changes. Wow. So when you first got diagnosed, what were the doctors telling you? Not much. I honestly had to learn a lot about my condition from reading books, <laughs> which was not ideal. I, they told me kind of very simple basics. Your joints are attacking your the, the, your body, like your immune system's attacking itself. Um, your joints are breaking down. We need to put you on steroids first and then these medications, starting with methotrexate and then eventually a bunch of other drugs. And, and, and it was very overwhelming, but I also felt like at the same time, I didn't get a lot of information. And I was like, do you want to know like what my diet is like? Do you want to know if I'm living in a toxic waste dump? Because maybe that also affected my getting sick. And they were just like, you know what, just take these drugs and you'll be fine. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think 
think so. I think that there's, I don't want to be on this the rest of my life. And they were like, almost all of the doctors that I had seen first when I had first gotten diagnosed were just like, this is your condition you have for life. This is what you're going to have. Like, these are the medications you're likely going to be on for the rest of your life. And I was just like, I don't accept this. I think that there's something else out there. And I, and I started doing my own research and it turned out there was quite a lot of information and healing kind of modalities that I hadn't even considered until I finally started diving into them and doing my own research and being a quote unquote difficult patient. <laughs> I love it because I was one of those difficult patients as well. <laughs> um, not wanting to believe it because I'm just thinking about like the mental toll that takes when you tell somebody like, this is it for the rest of your life. You're going to have to just deal with the pain. And, you know, luckily you had the courage to be like, you know what? I don't think so. <laughs> and kind of get curious. So what methods did you investigate? Like, what did you find out through your readings and what methods have you tried? Yeah, from the get-go, I hired a holistic nutritionist. Her name is Katie, and she basically opened my eyes to all of these other kind of like parts of not only nutrition, but also holistic health practices to do as well as the medication that I was on. And so I started doing castor oil packs, which greatly reduced the symptoms that I was having from my medication that I was on, especially like the nausea, and it also helped with detoxing your body. I started drinking herbal teas like nettle tea and a bunch of other teas. I started taking supplements. I started kind of doing all of that. But then I also started doing things like getting out and getting morning sunlight and putting my feet in dirt in the morning and doing morning grounding and really kind of reevaluating my diet, which was kind of messy. Like it wasn't very good. And I had to kind of pretty much like triple my intake of fresh vegetables. I had to learn how to cook differently. I went on an elimination diet when I first got started to identify food intolerances. And then I got the heck out of the US, <laughs> which was also, I think, like a big part of healing because I think that we don't realize how much in our daily lives are toxic. And it took me basically getting out of the US and going to places like Italy and where I started to realize that my symptoms were much less intense abroad or when I was traveling. And so I kind of went on this journey where I was like, okay, I need to reimagine what my inputs are, where, what is my environment? I was living in, I lived in Los Angeles with a lot of pollution for 10 years. And so I changing environment actually helped quite a bit as well as changing diet and just kind of changing the way that I approach my lifestyle. Oh, that's so true. When you travel out the country, the food can be different. I was having issues with gluten and it seemed that my joints were always aggravated. And I went to Italy. I was like, maybe I'll try the pasta. I had pasta, pizza, the flour is, clearly is different <laughs> over there. And I didn't have any joint pain at all in Italy. And I was like, it's got to be the food, you know, the way our food is processed here in the States, particularly grain, you know, right. so I could definitely see that. Wow. So how long did it take you to make the jump from you're in LA? I'm sure you're working. So what's it like? that shift away from that type of work that you were doing? Or did you, how did you refine what you did? Yeah, it was pretty scary because as a writer, I obviously need my, my hands to type and do everything. And so when I was getting swollen joints, I was in the middle of a bunch of really big freelancing projects. And so I was like, I, it's painful to type, yet it's my job to type every day. <laughs> and it was the pandemic had just hit. So I was also dealing with trying to sanitize groceries and like deal with that reality because 
I was being put on immune suppressant medications. And I kind of went through this period of time where I'm like, okay, none of this is working for me. I need to figure out how to kind of reconfigure my freelancing business so that I'm going, I'm working with clients that have bigger budgets and I'm doing less projects and and that are more kind of aligned with my core skill set and making sure I'm delivering things that clients are really happy with and getting them results. And so I was kind of having to rethink my business rather than just taking on every single project that walked in my door. And then also trying to figure out how, because I knew I wanted to be a digital nomad. And before I got diagnosed, I had already agreed to do like a six month road trip around the US with a bunch of friends. So I was like, I got to figure out how to make this work while I'm traveling in the middle of a global pandemic while I'm on immunosuppressant medication. I got to make this work because this road trip, I feel like is going to change my life. And it did. It ended up like letting me realize that travel was a great way to get me out of my small place in LA and like my life in like a pollutant filled city. And and it kind of helped me start to embark on that journey of healing and also be more critical about my environment and my inputs. And so I think that there's, there's a lot of different kind of pieces that came into play. Wow. You know, you mentioned before about being a difficult patient. So what tips would you give someone whose doctor's given them very little hope? Because we're, you know, we defer to the doctors. They're the experts. You know, we think that they know it all because they have a specialty. But what aren't doctors like factoring in when they're dealing with their patients? Like, you know, they deal with the physical part. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that patients need to not be afraid to fire doctors because and I think that that's something that I didn't realize that I can do right away. But then I decided that I wanted to be working with experts who I felt were in my corner with the way that I wanted to heal with my illness. And I think that with my first doctor, very nice person, clearly a professional, but he was not helping me find and integrate certain parts of my holistic modalities that I wanted to be included. And so I ended up going on a journey to find somebody who could be more on like the integrative side of medicine that brought in both the traditional medication as well as like lifestyle and environment. And so I, I ended up firing two doctors to get to the one that I work with today who helped get me to remission, who's amazing. And I think that like as a patient, if you know in your gut, if somebody isn't listening to you, if somebody isn't really taking you seriously, isn't really, I had an undiagnosed iron deficiency that was very apparent that I had that my doctor did not test me for properly. And it was my nutritionist who had found it and got me to take the blood test that I needed to, to identify it. And I was like super fatigued. I was fainting after blood tests. Like it was so clear that I had an iron deficiency, but my doctor at the time was not, did like forgot to test me for it. (laughs) And I like asked him, I'm like, hey, like, I think I brought this up that I need this. My nutritionist is saying that I need this test, but I don't see it on my most recent like blood draw. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot it. And I'm like, I'm living life like on the edge of like falling asleep at every moment and like feeling super lightheaded. I need this. <laughs> and so that's kind of when I realized that that doctor was not looking out for me or had too many patients or was too overstretched or whatever was going on. Not a bad person, just not the right doctor for me. And I kind of kept on doing that until I found the doctor that was in my corner and was looking out for me and was being proactive and being like, hey, we've tried this, this, and this. We're going to try this. We're going to try this. What do you think of this? here's the research. You should read this before we try this. Like that's the doctor that I wanted. And I had to go out and find him by watching interviews with doctors on podcasts and like getting to know like who was in the community that was plant-based, that was kind of in this like holistic kind of field, but still somebody who believed in science and traditional medicine. 
So now you're traveling the world fearlessly because you're not like, oh, I got to stay home because I got to get to the doctor, which I think is wonderful. So what's the role of community in helping support you as you travel the world to work? Yeah. So one of the most kind of biggest moments that everything kind of felt full circle was when I was on the four-day, 26-mile hike to Machu Picchu on the Inca Trail. And I did it with a group of friends. And like three years prior to that, I had been falling downstairs. I was very, very ill, not feeling well, really in pain all the time. And then this last summer, I did that 26-mile hike. And I was hiking to one of the tallest peaks on the trail called Dead Woman's Pass. And I was like really having a hard time and my friends around me were cheering me on. My partner, Kyle, was helping hold my backpack when I was too tired to make it. But when I finally got to like the top of the 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 hike, I was just like, oh my God, I would never have been able to do this a few years ago. And it was so cool to have all my friends by my side. And I just realized that the journey of healing was so much more worth it with the right friends by my side, my family by my side, the right medical team by my side. And it just was like such a cool moment where I'm like, I finally have my health back. And I've like, it's been a hard one journey where I've fought every step of the way to get here and to be doing this epic hike that people dream of doing their whole lives after being where I've been. I'm like, I've done it. (laughs) I can do anything now. Oh my God. It's called Dead Woman's Pass. Yeah. So on the Inca Trail, day three, you basically do like five mile or five hours like uphill and then you get to dead woman's pass and like if you survived it you can do anything (laughs) okay so she survived dead woman's pass y'all she is definitely my (laughs) shero right about now i love it so tell me about what your life is like now and where have you traveled to share about your travels yeah Definitely. So basically, now that I've healed, I'm keeping up everything that I've done to stay in remission. I'm still on supplements that I that are helping me with like the the approval of my doctor. And I'm still doing I've, I've now gone back to running, which I wasn't able to do for a really long time. So I'm kind of doing that and doing yoga and I'm traveling to Japan and South Korea. So I'm going to spend three months in Asia this summer and then I'm headed to Europe and then I'm going to spend some time in Portugal and then I'm going to be in Oaxaca for Day of the Dead. So I'm kind of doing full year of travel with my friends and and friend group and community um, and continuing being a full-time digital nomad while writing books for both my clients. And I also am writing a book about my healing journey, which I just started querying book agents for. So I'm in the very beginning of that journey of getting that story out. So yeah, doing all the things that I love every day. So it's been really cool. Wow. Was there ever a time on the journey where, you know, you were met with some resistance either from, you know, people around you or, you know, your own resistance? Because, you know, we have in our minds the way that we were raised when you're sick, you go to the doctor. Like, that's just the one path you follow. So were people around you surprised or concerned um, that you were doing a less conventional path? I think it was it was really weird and really tough when I got diagnosed because it was during the pandemic. And so I think I kind of like ended up losing some friends after I got diagnosed because there was some distance that was put between me and them and they weren't really understanding why I wasn't feeling well and why I was being a little bit more cautious with the pandemic. And it was hard for me to explain, hey, I have this illness. It, I can't like do very much in the pandemic right now because I'm still trying to figure it out. 
Um, and I'm also trying, I'm like not feeling well, like I need to like not do things that stress me out. I can't drink alcohol anymore. I'm a different person now and I'm becoming a different person. And during that kind of cycle where I was having to shed my identity, cause I used to be very much a partier and very much like out in the, the nightlife scene in LA. And so when I was changing my identity and realizing, okay, that life doesn't work for me anymore. I have to get completely sober. I have to become a raw vegan for a certain amount of time. I have to like do all of this stuff and I am no longer like fun. <laughs> I am now you like even even as I was like emerging from the pandemic, uh certain friendships just didn't feel like that they fit anymore because I'm like, I'm not that person that I was and this friendship isn't serving me. And so it was painful to kind of let go of my former communities, my former friendships, because I realized that a lot of those were kind of centered around drinking and partying and things that were no longer core to my identity. So I think that when you're going through chronic illness and like you're trying to figure out how to heal and you're having to change who you are, then it can be really liberating because it's like, I wouldn't trade my life now for anything. I love being more interested in fitness and and eating healthy and not waking up with a hangover and instead traveling the world and having really cool conversations with people and maybe not like going out every single night. But if I go out to a bar drinking a mocktail and just enjoying like the conversation rather than the kind of more kind of intense life that I had before that wasn't as balanced. And so I think that when we change, our environments need to change and our friend groups need to change. And the friends that I have now are much more into fitness, much more into seeing the world. And so I think that the resistance that I felt was in part from like my environment, which was very much built a certain way, as well as like well-meaning advice from people who did truly care about me, where they're like, you can still enjoy your life. Like when you first got diagnosed, like you can still like enjoy your life and eat the foods that you like. I needed tough love. I needed people to be like, no, Amy, you need you need to change. And I had to be that tough love for myself in a lot of instances where I had to be like, no, I have to cut out coffee for three months while I do this elimination diet. I can't have any caffeine. I need to like do some pretty drastic things because what got me sick won't get me healthy. And I have to completely rewire things if I really want to see a change within it, rather than be on this medication for the rest of my life. Wow. So it wasn't just the physical healing. It was like rewiring mentally and then realize that you're in the process of becoming, you know, which you probably weren't expecting (laughs) along with the diagnosis that you had to change a lot of things around you, not just your diet, but the people around you as well. Yeah. Those are the the tough ones, you know, Um, it's kind of like we have to mourn our past a little bit and still be excited and be willing to embrace the future. So kudos to you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You all can't see Amy, but Amy's very young to be on this journey. I'm like, oh my gosh, you have been through a lot to be so young. Thanks. Yeah, it was definitely very, very odd. And I think that it's pretty crazy to see the numbers of how chronic illness is growing. I feel like a lot Mm -hmm. of my friends started getting diagnosed with chronic illnesses. 80% of autoimmune patients are women. And so to see like those kind of numbers, it's like clearly there's environmental factors at play. In my case, it was also partially a genetic uh, predisposition as well as probably a whole bunch of different things that contributed to me, my illness coming to a place where it couldn't be, it couldn't be ignored and, and needed treatment. And so I think that in, in this day and age, it's unfortunately not just older people that are getting a lot of these different illnesses. And so now is like a really important time for people to take their health seriously and and to really think about how their environment and their what they're eating and, and their air that they breathe like plays into their health and how to take care of themselves before they get sick. Yes. 
So reflecting on your overall journey thus far, what are your top three lessons that you want to share? I mean, you talked a lot about being able to fire your medical team and the freedom to do that. What other um, suggestions do you have? Yeah, I think that it's really important to keep the promises that you make to yourself. And that was something that I feel like I didn't fully, like I was very sporadic with healthy eating and, and fitness while I was in my 20s. And I thought, oh, this is fine. This is enough. But I needed more discipline and consistency to really hit healthy habits in the way that I needed to. And when I got my illness and was needing to change, I realized that I needed to have a level of consistency and discipline that I never had before. And I think that when you make a promise to yourself to heal or to go to the gym or to eat your vegetables, like it has to, you have to keep that promise to yourself. And when you do, it is such a level of a confidence booster that I think people don't realize like how, how it makes you feel unstoppable. And now it's like, I work out almost every day. I am getting 10,000 plus steps in a day. Like I do everything that I was hard for me to do on a regular basis, just by existing. And it feels automatic to me now, but it wasn't then. I think that the hardest part of any journey is that just breaking all of the old habits and starting the new ones. And I think in my case, at least it was really important to give myself that tough love and make all those changes very quickly. Like within days of of getting my diagnosis, I was on an elimination diet. I was starting from scratch. I was, I'd already started my transformation right away. Yeah. I think that discipline is really important. And then I think another important thing is doing your own research and as a difficult patient, understanding how you want to kind of like approach your illness. And I read dozens of books on health and my condition specifically. And I think that the knowledge that you have over your own condition, I think is really important because it allows you to have informed conversations with your doctor. And I think that hiring a nutritionist was one of the most important things that I did because it helped me really understand what foods were triggers, how to prepare food, how to identify what foods were most likely to have pesticides and all of these kind of like complicated things that were made much more simple by having an expert come and teach me. And I think that when you're first diagnosed, it can be really easy to just accept what the doctors tell you to do. But I think that taking your health in your own hands and reaching out to the experts that can help you is really important to set that foundation for healing. Wow. Well, thank you, Amy, for sharing about your journey and inspiring others to take charge and choose how they want to approach their own healing journey. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And your contact information will be in the show notes. You're on Instagram, right? Yeah, I'm on all social media platforms and my handle is at pseudoscience. So my last name, S-U-T-O, science. And then everything is linked on my website, amypseudo.com. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you listeners for joining us today. Please share this episode with a friend. Thanks so much for tuning into Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast. Be sure to check out the show's notes for this episode on www.drsabrinanicole.com and follow us on social media. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. We'll be back next week with more. See you then.